When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. You know, as aquarium hobbyists, we're sort of, I don't know, programmed to freak out about the appearance of algae in our systems, aren't we? It's like the default to go, you know, apeshit crazy when algae appears in our tanks. Now, I have touched on a lot of subjects here on The Tint, but I probably haven't touched on one of the more interesting benefits of a botanical method aquarium that many of us have actually experienced. The fact that the occurrence of nuisance algae outbreaks seems to be relatively uncommon in these systems. Not a rarity, mind you, just not all that common. Or, well, is it? <clears throat> While it would be intellectually dishonest and just plain untrue for me to assert that the botanical method aquariums or blackwater aquariums aren't susceptible to algae outbreaks of some sort, it's sort of remarkable that we simply don't have massive algae issues in these types of aquariums on a regular basis. At least, none that anybody's talking about, right? Now, I have to admit that I have never had one of those nightmare algal blooms in a blackwater or botanical method aquarium unless my goal was to intentionally create one. And of course, in the interest of pushing the state of the art of our practice, I have succeeded at, at creating some algal blooms before. Yeah, I did. And as you'd imagine, it's really not all that difficult. Blast the damn thing with light and, well, yeah, algae forms. Pretty, pretty straightforward. <clears throat> and I mean, of course, algae likes fuel, right? Our tanks feature a lot of botanicals and their associated materials decomposing on a near constant basis. And as we know, some of this material is utilized by fishes for supplemental food. Some of it's processed by crustaceans and bacteria and fungi and other microorganisms. And yeah, some of the compounds produced by it as it decomposes, you know, nitrates, phosphates, trace elements, etc., is utilized by algae. I rather fancy this stuff, actually. <laughs> You're like, damn, Feldman, really? Yeah, well, the simple fact is... Algae will bloom and proliferate wherever and whenever the proper conditions, you know, nutrients, light, flow, and lack of heavy consumers, wherever those combine in the aquarium environment. And quite honestly, it's not that amazing, right? We, we all know this. Yet when we have darkly tinted water and maybe not a ton of lighting over our tanks, it seems just a bit less common. I mean, at least usually. And of course, nature provides the example. I read a study from the University of Georgia, which tested the idea of algal growth in blackwater streams to determine if the limiting factor was chemical, you know, nutrient, or light-driven. And lo and behold, the study concluded that it wasn't necessarily some magic stuff in tannins and blackwater as much as it was light limitation. Light-limiting effects of the blackwater itself were discovered to inhibit algal growth in coastal plain streams. Now, as light penetrates the water, high-dissolved organic compounds and concentrations and suspended solids can scatter and absorb light, impacting algal growth significantly. Okay, it sounds like a bummer if you want to believe that black water is some kind of magic, but the study also concluded that black water systems were somewhat nutrient limited, which also affected the growth of algae, although this was not concluded to be the primary factor which inhibited algal growth in the study. 
In fact, another study I perused about the Rio Negro concluded that it was found that there's relatively small difference in what we call respiration rates between whitewater, you know, clear water, and blackwater rivers. And the presumption that blackwater systems are more sterile is sort of overstated. That's interesting because that, that changes some of the eco, you know the ecological perspective that we've had on uh, black water systems for many years. And interestingly, the study also concluded that higher incidence of algal growth occurred in areas in Amazonia where water movement was minimal or even stagnant, suggesting that all things being equal, light limitation and water movement are possibly more significant than just higher nutrient concentrations alone in limiting or encouraging the growth of algae. And that makes sense if you consider the long-held belief within the aquarium hobby that most plants, you know, don't do well in blackwater aquariums because they don't get enough light. Yeah, right? So the long-held aquarium attitude about blackwater having some algal inhibiting properties is really based on the fact that it's darker. I think maybe, I mean, every blackwater tank that I've ever owned does have some algal, you know, growth present. Although being a reef guy at heart, every aquarium I own has really good water movement too. I know that in leaf litter dominated aquariums, which you know I'm obsessed with, I still keep a good amount of flow going. You'll often hear that depressed CO2 levels are instrumental in creating algal outbreaks, like the dreaded black beard algae that we all talk about. Good flow is important. You don't have to have wicked jacuzzi-like flow, just good steady movement and a bit of surface agitation for gas exchange. So this, this whole thing about even being able to limit nuisance algae in our tanks is kind of interesting because you'd think a tank dominated by decomposing leaf litter would be like a the literal definition of an algae farm, right? And yet in my t- almost 30 years of experience with black water, i.e. botanical method aquariums, I've experienced no more occurrence of algae in these leaf litter and twig substrate tanks and all the crazy stuff I play with than I have in any other setups. On the other hand, regardless of what type of system I work with, I'm fanatical about husbandry and nutrient control and export, obviously another key factor. And I don't blast my tanks with light. And since a lot of, you know, botanical method aquariums are hardscape only with little or no plants, the lighting that we as a group are employing is typically strictly for aesthetic purposes, right? Maybe it's LEDs, whatever you use, not turned up to maximum, you know, intensity. So you're not blasting the tank with decomposing pods and no plants with 14 hours of full spectrum light cranked up to 100%. Well, that certainly could be part of the reason why this type of tank often magically has essentially little to no nuisance algae despite all of the leaves and stuff, right? We pin both the praise and the blame for algae on the wrong suspects, I think. I mean, this deserves more study, a lot of it. And with more and more hobbyists playing with black water and botanical method aquariums, we're getting a greater body of work from which to draw some conclusions. For that matter, more botanical method black water aquariums in general means more material to analyze for all kinds of things, so this is a good thing. And here's another thing. As we've beaten into your head relentlessly in the truly natural style aquariums that we love so much, we don't really care if there's some algae in there. We've made that mental shift that says it's okay to have some decomposing botanicals, brown water, biofilms, and yeah, algae. So because the natural habitats do also. So it's not that bad, right? I mean, if you can tolerate an algal covered or a fungal covered rock and woodscape, I don't think a little bit of algae is going to blow your mind, right? Let's think about algae in the aquarium to begin with. Now, not the boring old, you know, this is how algae problems happen in our aquariums lecture that you've read on every website known to man since the internet sprung to life. Yes, it smothers plants, which sucks if you like plants. 
You can find all that stuff everywhere you read. I'm not going to touch on that. Rather, let's think about how we as a group mentally are opposed to this stuff in our tanks. I mean, yeah, I know of no one that really enjoys a tank just smothered in algae. It generally looks like crap, and it's a trophy for incompetence in the eyes of most aquarists. In fact, I remember reading once that more people quit the aquarium hobby over algae problems than almost anything else. Yeah, that sucks, right? Well, sure, algae problems caused by obvious lapses in care or attention to normal maintenance, like overfeeding, lack of water exchanges, gross overstocking, stuff like that, are signs of, well, incompetence. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's a whole other issue that needs to be addressed in the hobby. The occasional algae outbreaks that many hobbyists suffer through, or, or in, at least endure, have all sorts of potential causes and can often be traced to a combination of small things that went unchecked and are typically controlled in a relatively short amount of time once the causative factors are identified. And again, I'm not going to go through every one of the hundreds of possibilities that lead to an algae outbreak because that we've beaten that dead horse to crap in the hobby for years and you can just Google it and find a million examples better than I can explain here. But yet as a group, us hobbyists freak out about algae in our tanks. I can show you a hundred pics of algae and biofilm matrixes in the Amazon and the Rio Negro and say, see, it happens in nature too. It's natural. And the typical hobbyist will still be rendered speechless with horror at the thought of that in their aquarium. And I can't even tell you what it would do to one of those natural aquascaping contest freaks or those judges. People might die. I mean, you could be charged as an accessory to murder if you entered a tank like that in a contest. Do you want to be an, you know, an accessory to murder? Do you want that on your conscience? So Okay, I'm just kidding. But really, not everybody gets it. It's just like the brown water. There needs to be a philosophical mindset shift that embraces life on many levels. We, we love fungal growth, for God's sake. So algae, literally the foundation of life, as you've heard in every nature show and every biology class you've ever taken, needs to be embraced and appreciated for what it is and what it does. Yet it's also the foundation for a cottage industry of devices, chemicals, and treatment regimens designed to eradicate the stuff. It's kind of weird. I say we can embrace it and understand why and how it forms and proliferates and again even embrace it for being an elegant if aesthetically underappreciated part of the botanical method aquarium. So the roundabout conclusion here is that number one, although there are many beneficial substances in black water such as humic substances, tannins, all that stuff, it's inconclusive if they alone are the reason or even part of the reason why we seem to have less incidence of algae in our black water botanical method aquariums. Some research suggests otherwise. Number two, the light penetration limitation imposed by Blackwater definitely has been shown to decrease algae growth. Number three, proper nutrient control and export mechanisms employed by you, the hobbyist, can go a long way towards controlling excessive algal growth in the aquarium. Okay, maybe not altogether earth-shattering revelations and conclusions here, yet they're important points to consider when you know embracing our botanical method, you know, philosophy. Yeah, we have a lot of work to do when it comes to understanding all the dynamics of the so-called algae equation in botanical method aquariums, and I think we can all contribute to that. So in the meantime, just stay curious, stay diligent, stay engaged, stay thoughtful, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Feldman from Tannin Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.